All right, Caleb, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Doing good. What about you? Life is good. Life is good. Well, uh, for the listeners that aren't familiar with uh, who you are, what you're up to, can you fill them in on kind of what you're working on these days? Yeah. So pretty much I'm Caleb Box. I've worked with some huge YouTube stars like Preston with over 15 million subscribers. And I built some of my own YouTube automation cash cow channels. Um, you know, at this point, we now are making seven figures of a bunch of channels that we run uh, and uh, just, you know, pretty much outsourcing all of the work to freelancers to create the content for us, which obviously allows us to not really have to put, or me personally, I don't have to put that much work into it. So that's definitely like one of the benefits and something that I've been working on since I ever started my journey on uh, entrepreneurship. Sweet. Well, we're definitely going to dive into all of that. And for the listeners that are curious, I mean, how old are you? So I'm 20. Yeah. This is impressive stuff. All right. Just, just want to set the, set the stage there so that everybody <laughs> knows who we're talking to right now. All right. So, so let's, let's dive into this. So give us, give us some idea of like the size of your operation right now, whether it's like the number of channels, number of subscribers, revenue, whatever you measure by. Yeah, we have, um, so the numbers wise, it's hard to keep track now, but sure. we definitely have over a hundred freelancers now working for us. Um, we have two people that like is full-time with me in person, helping me out run the operation as well. So we definitely have a really big operation that we're trying to run uh, and manage all of these channels, which is obviously a lot of work, but it's nice because uh, as you know, when you're a CEO, a lot of your job is mainly watching trends and, and watching the team and training the team. So um, obviously you don't get here overnight, um, but definitely when you finally get here, it's, it's definitely nice to, to get to that point. 100%. Well, we're going to talk a lot about that. We're also going to talk about like getting started because I know a lot of our listeners are like, well, that's great that he's got all these channels and hundreds <laughs> of freelancers, but like, how do you actually start this thing? So yeah. we're going to dive into, into both sides of the coin there. So uh, first, could you just like kind of walk us through how you got started on YouTube? Because I think like it'll be really informative to listeners to see like, how do you go from like wherever you were to like this place where you've got over a hundred right. freelancers working for you? Yeah. So um, I started in uh, 2016. So I was like 16 years old. I mean, I've always fiddled around with business even before that, but nothing too serious until 2016. Um, what was happening was where I would always see my friends, my older friends, because I'm, I'm the type of guy that would always growing up hang out with people that were like five years older than me. Um, just because I always wanted to, I don't know, I always like to hear the conversations and just, you know, listen to older people to me. Um, and so what I noticed is with a lot of them, they were going to college. And then by the time they got out of college, a lot of them couldn't find a job. Um, even with a degree and all this other stuff. So, you know, when we're pounded, like I was pounded you know, at a young age saying, hey, yo, you got to get a degree. You got to do this, you got to do that. But obviously when you look at the actual examples of your friends who are following those things, you realize it's not working for them. And I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and so at 16, I kind of figured that out. I was like, all right, this doesn't sound like the avenue I want to go down. And even if I did go down that avenue and it worked out, I don't think I would want to be glued to a desk all day long. It's just not me. Um, and I don't think it's most people. So anyway, so pretty much what ended up happening was uh, I obviously I was doing YouTube. Um, I wanted YouTube to be a career for me. Obviously, I didn't know how to make that happen because everyone wants to make YouTube a career. I mean, there's so many people who do. Um, it sounds like a fun job, but there's a lot that goes into it to actually get started. Um, and so I ended up uh, obviously collaborating and meeting other little YouTubers and we started like learn off of each other. One of them is Chase Namek. And um, so me and Chase Namek, we would live stream Minecraft videos or Minecraft streams all day long on YouTube. This was back before YouTube even had um, this thing called YouTube Gaming, which was a platform where you could actually live stream and get more publication for it. This was back when you would have to actually search Minecraft in the top YouTube search bar. Then you have to go to the filter and say live to actually find us. So it was like, we wouldn't get probably more than, I would say, max 100 viewers at a time. That was like the highs. Like if we got 100 people watching us at the same time, we're like, oh my gosh, we're famous. 
So um, we were just trying to figure out how to make a career, making maybe $400 a month, but nothing, right? Um, and then we ended up uh, collaborating and meeting other bigger YouTubers. One of them is Mr. Beast, who has, at the, at the time, he had 800K, but now he has over 40 million subscribers. Um, and then there was like six other people and YouTubers that we ended up collaborating and meeting with. So those people, we all created this little mastermind group in 2016. And we started to get into these phone calls day after day after day, just trying to break down analytics of YouTube and trying to learn how we can make this work. Um, along the way, what happens is we're obviously, we grew our own channels, we made our own videos and it worked out. But then we were like, how do we figure out how to scale this? Because we don't want to be tied, again, back to 95, we don't want to be tied down to the work. Um, we want to figure out how to create a level of passive income. Um, and so we kind of figured out, hey, what if we kind of do, kind of treat it like a business, right? Like most YouTubers, they don't treat any of this like a business. They just think, oh, it's just YouTube, upload videos, make videos, cool. Um, so we were like, let's look at it from a business. You see these companies, they pay people. You see the CEOs, a lot of the CEOs, they do hard work, but a lot of them are not as obviously hard work um, as it is now that they have a team. So we're like, okay, well, that's the secret. Well, how can we get a team for cheap without having to pay full-time salaries of $3,000, $4,000 a month? So we realized that there's these things called freelance sites, like Upwork, Fiverr out there that were online. And so we ended up going to those sites and started to find other people that were had skill sets, whether it be script writing, narrating, um, it could be video editing, all these skill sets. And we decide why not get all the best of the best people, hire them for a cheap rate, even in, like some of them are in foreign countries. So that's how you get them cheaper. And you just get them to create the content for you. And you just moderate and oversee. And then you upload the videos and make money from the ad revenue or sponsor deals or affiliate marketing. Um, so we started to do that. And then once one channel started to work that way, it just kept popping off. And again, you just keep, it's like a snowball. You keep making more and more channels. So that's kind of how I got into it. All right. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot that I want to unpack in there. Yeah. Um, I guess first thing that comes to mind is like freelancers. So I've built a couple different businesses over the last couple of years. And I want to reiterate what you said there about like freelancers are such a game changer for scaling because yeah. If you're trying to build a team, like doing so domestically with people in your physical location can be really expensive. If you're just starting mm -hmm. out, like you have like a small idea that you want to turn into right. something. So like, personally, I hire all my people out of the Philippines. Um, this is a really good site. I don't know if you've yeah. used it before called onlinejobs.ph. Um, but there's like, a, there's, there's so much creative talent in the Philippines because it's just like the arts are valued so low there that you can arbitrage some crazy talent right. for, for real, real cheap. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about freelancers is like people don't realize that you don't need a full-time employee and pay them the three, $4,000 salary. I mean, look, it's nice to have someone in person, like, trust me, like yeah. almost my, until this last year, my entire career, I've been alone, right? Like, like working on my computer. So obviously <laughs> it's nice to have company around you working with you, but you do not want to do it in early or even sometimes medium stages of your company because that could really pull you back. If you know that you can spend $3,000 and get 10 freelancers working full-time in a different country than having one full-time person, that's like 10Xing your business for the same amount of money. So you kind of got to be smart about it too. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So, okay. Bouncing back to like you getting started. So you've got this Minecraft live stream. You start collaborating with these other bigger creators. At what point or I guess just kind of fill us in on, on, on where this becomes like a serious thing for you that's bringing in some serious money. Like, was there a tipping point or like when did this start becoming like a real thing? Yeah, so definitely um, for us, what it was, was we were friends with one of these other guys who were doing like live streams with us. Again, like when you're a small YouTuber, you're just trying to reach out to everybody you can that's around the same subscriber range and trying to collab and, and, and work together and play video games and, and try to make money. <laughs> um, and so we, uh, we ran to this one guy who was live streaming and everything like that. Uh, and he ended up uh, going out of his way to create another YouTube channel. And the YouTube channel was around water bottle flips. Um, this was back when water bottle flips, you know, when, like that trend a long time ago, like 2016, that trend was huge in 2016. And people were getting millions of, of views on one video, um, just compilation videos, literally of, of water bottles. 
he blew up. And within three months, he went from zero subscribers to like 800,000 subscribers. So we're like, okay, something's there. We're not sticking to <laughs> Minecraft anymore. Let's ditch this. Let's do something like that. So all of a sudden, all of us made like little compilation channels and like trying to test it out. And then like one by one, all of us started to pop off. And so, yeah, I think that was the tipping point it was definitely seeing, again, modeling after success. You want to see what other people are doing and try to find a way to make it better and just make it work, right? Like if you try to reinvent the wheel, it's going to be, a, it's possible, but it's a very longer process than if you just look at someone who's been successful and do theirs, but better. For sure. So walk us through like the general process. Cause like, I'm sure people have heard of like compilation channels before, but like, what does mm. the process look like? You mentioned script writing, you mentioned like editing. So like, yeah, so walk us through. Yeah. That's the longer, that's, that's the, I call it more safe material. Um, so what happened was we're in 20, I think it's 2018 and 2019. Um, YouTube ended up shifting the algorithm um, from, or from demonetization. So what it, what it is, is where demonetization started to come into, into play, where if you started to get a lot of copyright material mixed in, um, then obviously you, you risk the, someone else taking that money who owns that one little clip that you did in the full 10 minutes. So you could have a, a 20 second clip. They claim that that's, that's my clip right there. They get the full 10 minute video worth of money. Um, and thankfully now YouTube fixed it where pretty much what you can do is you can trim out that, that clip in the video. So if they claim you, you can re-edit it within the YouTube uh, system. So you don't have to worry about that, but definitely like what was happening was there was that, that pivot moment where I was like, okay, I can still do compilation videos. You can still make money from that, but I definitely want to make sure I still also have channels where it's a full on production, right? We have script writers, we have narrators where it's very much more creative than just compilations or re-uploading, right? So that's kind of where I pivoted and I started doing a mix of both uh, to make sure I have those safe investments. I call them safe, you know, channel investments. And then going more uh, towards the kind of the bigger view uh, views and easier to do videos like compilations. Okay, sweet, sweet. So yeah, so I guess kind of, what is what do these safer channels look like? Like, what does the process mm. look like for one of those like safer videos? Yeah, so I mean, some people can check out the YouTube channel Looper um, if you want to see that as an example. But so Looper, the way they edit, they're like one of the top ones doing it. But pretty much Looper's in the niche movies and TV shows. So the goal with YouTube automation is you want to narrow yourself down in a specific niche. Um, but for example, with them, the way they have it done is they have, they still have background images of um, let's say they're talking about Marvel, right? Mm -hmm. They have background images of the Marvel characters, whatever the script writer or narrator is talking about, they have it popping up on the screen. They still get clips, but they cut out the audio of those clips to make it max 15 seconds. And they zoom in on the clip to avoid copyright situation. Um, so there's a little bit more creativity that goes into it than just re-uploading someone else's video. Okay. So are those like hard and fast rules that you just mentioned there with like the, the, yeah, the, yeah. The when it comes down to copyright. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are some tips when it comes down to copyright to try to avoid, obviously you can still get copyright situations, but most of the time you get around it and you can always dispute it. Like if someone claims you and they say, Oh, that's my material. They're like, no, I actually edited it pretty well. So you can then dispute it. And usually you get the money. Okay. Fair. So have you had any like huge copyright issues over the last couple of years on YouTube? Yeah, I've had copyright issues, but we, again, you just dispute it. And like almost all of them, I would say probably 90% of them, like we've won. So just doing this, like I said, like more creativity to it. So it's definitely like, I mean, this is where you have to sometimes get a lawyer involved, but sure. for me with my lawyer, he just broke it down as like, go for this. And obviously I started doing that and started to work. So. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I know it's a question that a lot of people have. I know with the videos that I've made with Chase, a lot of the comments are like, yo, like what about copyright? So I think it's yeah. important to know, like, so basically as long as you have like some kind of creative spin on it, you're, yeah. you're doing all right. A hundred percent. I see some videos now or some channels now that our, our friends are doing where, for example, they'll do again, compilations still to this day, they'll do compilations, but the difference is they do a reaction voice on top of it. So mm. you'll see like reactions, like they'll be like, oh, that's sick. No way. And it's the worst video I've ever seen, but it works. They actually get millions of views from it. 
So when you learn that it's just trying to find ways to add a little bit more creative flair to it, then that should make uh, make it easier for you. And I can totally believe that I have two younger siblings that are in fourth and sixth grade and they watch these videos that I just cringe at. And I'm like, I don't know how somebody made this, but this video has 20 million views, you know, and it's because people like my younger siblings are just zombieing out in front of it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Ridiculous. Okay, cool. So you've got the safe channels, you've got the compilation channels. Um, what What do you think like your ratio is right now between like focusing on the two? Like, are you more heavy on safe? Are you more heavy on compilation? Mm-hmm. What's that look like? I think for me, it depends on the person, but for me, I'm, I think I'm more, I would say more 60, 70% is the safe stuff. Okay. And 30% is the more quick, I call them quick virals. Um, mm-hmm. Those compilation videos you get, like if you follow a trend at the perfect timing, you're going to get a ton of views and probably a ton of money from it, but it's short term right? Like it'll be around for maybe a year at the most and then it might dip off. And so for me, I like to do obviously 70% more long-term investment. For example, with YouTube, the thing I like about it with those, like I said, more creative videos is I can literally upload a video and I have videos a year ago still makes me 40, $50 a day right now. And I only made, I only put like $70 into that. So what I'm saying is it creates a good level of passive income with those longer, like with those better, obviously it costs more money, puts more time into it, but it's just more of a safer investment for me. Um, and it creates more passive income long-term. With, with the more compilation style videos and just, you know, almost, almost re-uploading, obviously you have to edit it a little bit. Sure. Those are definitely more, I would say one year kind of hits, you know what I mean? And so you have to be willing to understand that like my mindset is if you're a beginner, you can go for those one year hits and try to accumulate money from them and then go into the safer bets because the safer bet ones are a little bit longer to get off the ground. Right. Um, and then, then, then like the compilation ones. So it, it's like a strategy to it if you're starting from scratch. Okay, for sure. So I guess when it comes to starting from scratch, let's talk about like the catching the trends first. So like, Mm -hmm. when you're looking for like trends to catch, I mean, like, what are some of the places that you look? How do you like stay on top of this stuff? Yeah, so I mean, it's a mix of just like, so it's a mix of me, obviously, I have friends who like, I can just watch to see what they're doing. Um, But also what I usually do is I just consume a lot of content stuff that I would normally not consume. Um, a lot of people get so stuck in a bubble on, on and this is how YouTube works. If I watch one video, um, again, let's say Marvel, I watch one Marvel video and I, and YouTube sees that I watch the entire video. They're going to send me another one. And then if I keep clicking on that, dude, eventually my entire home feed is going to just be Marvel. Um, so people stay in that bubble. So what you want to try to do is I sometimes go into incognito mode on my, um, on my uh, YouTube. So that way, you know, YouTube doesn't know what to recommend me. Then I see what's trending already. And I click on some videos, I go down rabbit holes until I find just random things that I see is getting a lot of views that I feel like I could probably make a video around or something. And then that's kind of how I find uh, some of the stuff today. Um, I have people that literally full-time will just do that for me. Um, obviously I'll do it once in a while, but I'm so busy running everything right operation wise as a business owner. Um, but I have people now that I just train to do that. So they'll find trends nonstop that we just like go down into Okay, sweet. So like, how do you, how do you figure out if a trend is like promising or not? Like, is it like the amount of views that it gets? Is it like how recently it was uploaded? Yeah, exactly. So usually what I try to do is it's a mix of recent uploaded and views. Um, and there's not like a certain amount of views that I really go for. It's more based on like trying to figure out the the CPM and views. So here's an example with, if you look at the business niche on YouTube, um, so you can probably get like, it depends obviously, but you can probably get like a, a like a high CPM of like $10, let's say every 1000 views for a business niche. So that means that like, if I get a million views per month overall on the channel, like that's $10,000, right? But on the flip side, if I go into the niche of, you know, I don't know, celebrities, right? And let's just say it's, it's only, I don't know, a $1 CPM per 1000 views. But the difference with celebrities is more people are wanting to watch that than business. And so it, it kind of weighs itself out where I'll get more views for less dollars per thousand views, but it equates to the same amount of money 
as the business. So for me, it's, it's kind of just trying to figure out a, a mix between high CPM and high views. I try to find those type of niches and then I go into those. Um, and so, yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of like the strategy I go into when it comes down to picking like a niche and trying to look for something that is working. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. That's a question that, that a lot of people were asking after the interviews with Chase is like, do you need to pick a niche that has a high CPM or like, can you still make it in like yeah, other, you can niches? still make it with a low CPM. Just make sure it gets a lot of views. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So we'll dive into that. But uh, I guess, I guess I'm curious as well when it comes to, uh, so say you've got the niche picked out. Okay. You've got the niche picked out and now you're like, okay, well, how do I get content ideas for like all the different things that I want to do in this niche? Like if you're doing whatever Marvel, if you're doing water bottle flips mm-hmm. or whatever, like how do you figure out what to actually make within that niche? Yeah, it's definitely modeling after success. So what you want to do is find a mix. So I find the top channels in that niche that are performing like the top of the top. Then I also try to find the ones that's more medium level that just blew up in the last year from that niche. Um, because usually the ones who just blew up in that niche are the ones that you're going to see kind of, kind of innovate a little bit more because they're, they're willing to work harder. They're willing to try to figure out new things that you, know, you maybe would have never thought about. So I usually watch all these people's channels and their videos and figure out, okay, is this getting a lot more views than they normally get on their average videos? If their average video gets like 10K views and then all of a sudden out of the list, they get a million view video. I'm making the same video, but probably better, right? I'm just going to reword the title a little bit, change up the script a little bit, but like I'm making the same video because it worked for them. So why can't it work for me? So, I mean, definitely modeling after success works a lot. Okay. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what you hear a lot online. It's like, just, just find the things that are working and like do a better version of them. You know, it's like, don't try to reinvent the wheel here. Yeah, exactly. Sick. So, okay. So, so once you've got a video that you think has potential, let's, let's kind of break down the different things that you need to be thinking about. So first, like title, like, what do you, what does your thought process look like for like making a title that that's going to entice people to actually watch the video? Right. Um, I always try to put myself in the shoes of the viewer. So um, it really depends on the niche, right? Cause every niche is a little bit different, right? You really got to research your niche and you got to become a fan of, of the niche really. Um, I'll give you an example. Like we went to the NBA niche uh, maybe a year ago and everything. And uh, I, I know what NBA is, but I didn't actually follow it. Right. Yeah. Um, I ended up like the moment like we, I was researching, I saw the NBA was getting a ton of views. Like they, they were on their biggest high ever. And I was like, okay, well, I want to get into this niche, obviously. So I was like, okay, if I'm willing to get into this niche, me and my team needs to be willing to research so much and be fans of the content. Otherwise we do not know how to clickbait the audience. We do not know how to entice them. So I started to go to like, uh, so I'm like in Dallas, I'm moving to Miami soon, but I'm in Dallas right now. So I went to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you know, like the stadium, I would watch all the games in person. I would like just, I would, talk, I would literally talk to fans next to me. I'd be like, so tell me who's the best player in this? Like, I don't know anything. I pretend I know something, but I really don't. I'm like, so tell me like, like, I want to know like what's in your head. I literally took notes of what other people were telling me of fans, like hardcore fans in the stadiums watching the, the game. So a lot of it comes down to research and just really trying to become a fan of that niche for yourself. Obviously, if you don't enjoy it, that's that's okay. But it's either if you don't enjoy it, find a different niche, or if you're willing to at least enjoy it enough to do research, then that's perfect. And so that's kind of what it was for me. Like I, I don't like love NBA, but I don't hate it, right? So I'm willing to do the research. I'm willing to watch the games. And so we ended up having is we, like after the, all the research, we started making video ideas. We started narrowing down in specific sub niches. For example, sub niches could be um, specific celebrity like athletes that are doing it. So we started to study uh, this guy called Luka Doncic. He plays for the Dallas Mavericks. I realized that all the fans in the crowd, they told me, yeah, Luka is like a killer. Like he's like new. He's like almost like a rookie and he's like killing the game. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I made a ton of videos about him. I think it was something like within three months, the channel went from $0 to 7,000 a month. And where I'm like, 
okay, we did it. Like we're good now. So I think it's just, yeah, research is, is key. You have to put your mind, you have to put yourself in the shoes of that viewer. Mm, okay. Sick. So walk us through, I guess, that growth phase then when you're going from starting a new channel to getting it off the ground. Cause I, I think that's where a lot of our, our, our listeners are going to come in at. They're like, I've got this new YouTube channel mm-hmm. and I want to like get it off the ground to that, like $7,000 a month stage. What does the growth process look like? What strategies are you using? Like, how do you yeah. actually make that happen? Yeah. So there's, there's different avenues you can go down. Um, so what we usually try to do is again, keyword research and just a ton of research is the, is the key number one. Um, and then once we come up with some video ideas, we obviously start trying to push it out there. We try to model and emulate after other successful people, but then for external growth from a channel from scratch, what we sometimes will do is we'll actually develop a little Instagram page around it. Um, and then we'll have the YouTube link uh, in the bio. And what we'll do is almost the follow on follow tactic with a lot of the MBA people. And we'll actually try, we'll actually engage with them. So we don't just follow them and hope they fall back. Like it doesn't always work that way. Um, especially nowadays. So what we do is we follow them, but we also engage with their content. So for example, I'll comment on the photos like, Hey, that's great. Obviously this takes a lot more time, but if you want to start from scratch and grow this thing, you got to be willing to put a little bit more time into it. So definitely that helps us a lot is doing that. Or if you have money, it speeds up the process where you can just pay for promos on maybe a YouTube page or an Instagram page. It just, that's related. obviously make sure it's related to the niche, but just like push it, the traffic to your um, page. And that helps a lot to get off the ground. Okay. Yeah. That's a question that I've, that I've gotten a lot from people is like, how effective are promos? So like, have you had mm. success with those? And like, what do yeah, you, definitely. what do you recommend people I'm, look forward to those? So YouTube ads, I don't know. I mean, YouTube ads can sometimes work. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it just because they cost a lot long-term to actually get real viewers. Um, I found actually for some random reason, Instagram swipe up features on stories works way more to drive traffic to a YouTube channel. Um, so that's definitely the the avenue I would go down and they're a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper than YouTube pages and and YouTube ads. So, okay. So like buying, buying shout outs from influencers or like paying Instagram to run ads on the platform. No, no, no. But yeah, from influencers. So, um, influencer marketing. So I won't find, I won't find anyone who's an actual face. Um, those costs a fortune. So, um, if you're, especially if you're a beginner, just don't, don't do it. Um, what I recommend is going, for example, again, MBA. Go to NBA fan pages, someone that has like, I don't know, 100, 200, 300K uh, followers. Be like, hey, I'll pay you 100 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever it is. You obviously got to figure out negotiations. You pay that money for a swipe up feature and they go directly to your YouTube channel and hope that you get some subscribers from that. Okay. Um, off the bat, I mean, what's a, what's a decent conversion rate look like? Like if you're paying a hundred bucks, like what can you expect to get on, on a swipe it's, up? it's hard to say sure. that's the, well, that's one of the bad things about influencer marketing is it's just unpredictable on what page can perform. Because again, bots, sometimes people can bot sometimes there's so many other factors. So it's hard to say conversion rates. I usually just try like to kind of flip a coin. Obviously I do research to make sure they're not botting, but like I flip a coin because sometimes even if they didn't bot, maybe they just don't have that many engaged followers. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's tough to tell, man. And like with other businesses that I've ran, like I I've done a fair bit of that stuff and it, it can be really hit or miss, you know, it's like, yeah. sometimes you'll find one, like, it's just like a, a gold nugget. That'll just be like, they'll have tens of thousands of people exactly. watching their story and swiping up. Yeah. And that's, and that's why it's one of those things where I said, like, if you don't have that much money, I definitely recommend doing the, the more free ways. Like I said, growing your own page, trying to get followers and post actual content on that Instagram page. And that'll maybe help you out. If you have money to almost burn, then that'll probably be the good way to do it to speed up the process is influencer marketing. But okay. So when it comes to like posting content on YouTube, I mean, what with your channels, how often are you posting content? Like, is it like an everyday thing? Is it like once a week? Some, some, if it's compilation channels, it's every day. Um, if it's more the ones that take a little bit more time to do, we do more. So four videos a week, um, we can totally do daily, but my mindset is I don't want to stress my team out. 
Um, and I, I prefer a mix of quality and quantity. So for me, if I can get four videos out every week and it's high quality, that's, that's a win for me. That's, that's enough. Um, because I, I noticed that whenever we do daily, sometimes me and my team will get kind of slacking and lazy about the way our video ideas was. And honestly, the video idea is so important. So if you get lazy about your video ideas, it, the video could be amazing, but if the video idea sucks, it's not going to perform. Mm. So when you're talking video idea, you're talking like keyword research and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And also just in general, something that we know someone will want to click, you know what I mean? Mm. Like clickbait, like if we know that uh, for, here's an example, Mr. Beast, when, when I learned from him back in the day, this is something we would always go through in our calls. He would always come up with some video ideas. All these YouTubers, we would like throw video ideas out the wall, be like, what do you think about this one? I'm thinking about doing this video idea. All of us would help each other out. Mr. Beast's uh, number one rule was, hey, if I can't think of making a, if I can't think of a perfect thumbnail for that video idea, we don't even work on it. So it could be a really good video idea, hypothetically, but if I can't even think of how I can make the thumbnail for it, uh, I'm not doing it. And you can see where he is now, like where he is now is massive. So, I mean, that's definitely something that I, I put into play. Like if I think in my, I tell my team all the time, like, look, come up with a video idea. And then if it happens to be where you can't even think of a good thumbnail to clickbait the audience with that video idea, we're not going to do it. It's just not worth it. So, hmm. so do you, do you actually make the thumbnail before the video or do you still wait? Yes, yeah. Yeah. We do thumbnail before the video for YouTube automation. It's a lot easier, obviously to do that. If you're doing personality videos, you sometimes have to wait till after the video is done, but yeah, that's one of the benefits of a cash cow deal. Okay, sweet. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So when it comes to the channels that you're running, I mean, like to do four videos a week, is that kind of like max capacity for like a team of script writer, like editor and whatever? No, they could totally do daily or they could sometimes do two videos a day. But again, like my mindset is when we have that many people in your team um, and you're running that many channels, it's like, it's just a lot happening. And so I rather, I rather make sure my team is pumping out good content um, and, and high quality content. And I just don't have time. If we, if we did daily and, and or two videos a day, I, we could pull it off if we really wanted to, but that requires a lot more time on my end to over, to oversee it. And I just don't want to do that. So. Sure. All right. Well, let's, let's pivot, I guess, from, from working with freelancers to like, if, if we're talking to like the very beginner who's just getting started, like wants to do everything themselves, has no money, like where, where should they start? Like what, what should be step one for them? You know? Yeah. Obviously step one is research. Um, you know, again, research rabbit holes, trying to find interests. Um, what always helps again is if you, if you have an interest that you love and you know, you like the content of that, that skips the line so much when it comes down to research, cause then you don't have to do as much research. Um, but obviously make sure that interest gets a, a decent amount of views. Otherwise you're going to be dead in the water before you even start. Um, and then once you do that, obviously you create the channel, you start creating some videos. It takes a decent amount of time from scratch to get going. I would say at least 30 videos before you actually see a little bit of views, sometimes more than that, uh, because it takes some time to get momentum. And again, I, I recommend really try to use those other alternative methods. Like I said, Instagram pages, et cetera. Um, otherwise that's going to be probably three times as long if you don't do those other methods. Okay. So is there a point when people should like, like, when should someone say this isn't working? Like, let me try switching things up. And like, when so, should they just be like, yeah. keep pushing on? So usually what I do is I, I look online and I try to see, okay, what, like I use this thing called social blade. So it helps you to see people's analytics. And I try to see, okay, so on socialblade.com, I, I put a people's, you know, usernames or, or uh, channel names in there. And I try to see, okay, so this person's in my niche they blew up around, you know, the same time or they blew up recently. If I still see people like going viral recently, like still in the same niche, they're going viral recently. I don't give up because in my head, I'm like, yo, if this guy could do it, like, why am I not? Like, I can totally do this then. 
if I don't see any channels recently that's been like going viral in the last like four or five months, I'm like, uh, like, I don't know. It might be dead in water. Then I double check and I see the, the channels that I saw previously that were already going viral. And I see if they're still getting views. If they're not still getting views, then I'm like, okay, it's, it's a dead niche. I have to find something else. That's, that's a really good point to look at competitors. And, and that kind of shows you like where the general mindset of people is at mm-hmm. and like what YouTube's favoring. Cause if they're not blowing up any of these channels, then like you're, you're not, not yeah. a great spot. And also Google trends, Google trends helps. You can always put it in Google trends. Mm, good call. Um, okay. Any other tools that, that you think would be helpful for beginners, like keyword research mm-hmm. stuff and, and kind of. Yeah. So vid IQ too, buddy, those are good for keyword stuff. Um, and then obviously, like I said, Google trends, those are the main tools I really use. I don't really need that many extra tools. I think people get too caught up in all the secret hacks and tools, and they think that's <laughs> going to get them all the views. Look, the, the reality is all the views is comes from hard work and research. That's where all the views come from. If you're hardworking and you're researching a lot, you're going to get a decent amount of views. So I, I think that's probably the, the main thing I would say. I remember when I was a beginner YouTuber, we thought that all these little hacks and softwares were going to make things the best. It doesn't, so... That's, I mean, that's where everyone's mind that they're always looking for like the secret that's going to like just yeah. change everything for them. I don't but. blame them. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I hate doing the work, man. I'm lazy. Like I'm probably the laziest person everyone, anyone's probably going to meet if you actually knew me. But at the same time, I, I know I have to get some work done at least to get things rolling. So yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Well, uh, speaking of that, I mean, what are, what are some common mistakes you see beginners making out here? Like what are, what are some of the, the places where people get off track? Yeah. Um, again, so definitely softwares, right? They think that they need some secret hack or whatever. So it's either softwares or whatever they try to look into. Um, they're just not doing the work. They're not being consistent. I have so many people that message me on my DMs because I get so many of them. And, and they're like, it's, it's like a frequent occurrence. They always say, hey, my channel isn't growing. Can you help me out? They send me their channel. I look at the channel. They haven't uploaded in over two weeks. I'm like, maybe that's why I don't know. <laughs> like maybe that might be it. So I, I think it's just like, you got to just do the work. Like no, I mean, there's, there's obviously some optimizing secrets, some keyword research. Obviously there's those things that come to play, but the biggest thing that's going to move the needle the most is just doing the, the work in the research. That's the biggest needle movement. And, um, one of my mentors always taught me, like, you want to focus in on the needle. If you try to focus in on the things that are outside of the thing that moves the most, then you're just going to be busy. You're not going to be productive. So what you want to do is figure out what is like something that I know that the, the task that I know for sure is going to move the business or the channel the most, and then work on that and things work out. So, and that's, I mean, that's putting videos up. Like if you're not putting videos up, then how can you expect anything to happen? Exactly. Like cha- changing your banner doesn't do anything. guys. <laughs> yeah, like so. there's some channels I've seen that don't even have a banner and they, they grow. I'm like, all right, well, that, that's, you don't need something. So, yeah. I mean, if you, you gotta, you gotta be putting videos on the board. Okay, sweet. Well, um, that was, that was the main stuff. Let's see. There were a couple questions here that people had been asking about Chase's videos that I just wanted to cover. So yeah. uh, one of which was buying channels. So do you have any experience buying channels? Do you recommend yeah. people go down that route or like, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. That? Um, you can buy channels. You always want to be careful. Obviously there's, there's scammers out there. So there's a lot of different areas you have to be careful of and beware. Um, I think, having a middleman helps. So almost like an escrow. Mm. Uh, so uh, the only problem is obviously the middleman has to be trusted by you and that buyer. And that's sometimes tricky. Uh, there's things like a, a form called Epic MPC. Epic MPC sometimes allows you to go on there and you can buy channels. You can get a, a verified middleman. So that means several, several people have used them and they have ratings. So they, you know, you can tell the person's legit. Um, I've never had problems with middlemen. They usually, if they're on the forms and have that high rating, they're usually good. Uh, but yeah, so you can get a middleman, but they obviously charge a fee, um, like a percentage of the of the sale price. 
Um, and what, again, it's like an escrow, just like if you're doing like um, a real estate deal or whatever, like you're going to have an escrow account, it's the exact same thing. You send money to the escrow, they give you the access to the channel. It takes roughly, I think something like 24 hours before you can finally have full access of that channel. And then once you finally have full access, then the money's released uh, by the middleman to the other person. So you can do that way. Um, and uh, I would definitely say it's, it's a case by case basis when it comes down to channels, like the type of channel that you want to buy. Um, for example, like I try to find the, the most valuable channels, in my opinion, are the ones where they're already in the niche that I'm trying to go into. Like if they're already in the niche I'm trying to go into, I'm like, I, like it's gold mine for me. Like I'm willing to pay extra money for that. So um, definitely that's a key thing. If you can't find that, at least find something that's in the English translation. I see people that try to buy channels that's in Russian don't like that's kind of dumb like so no one's gonna watch your content so um definitely try to find english based like you okay but it's possible like if you wanted to go into like uh beauty or something and the channel was like in different niche it's possible to like change that down the line it's, it's possible i would say do max 10k subscribers um if you're trying to change the niche so if it's not in the niche that you're trying to go into i would say find channels between i would say maybe three to 10k subscribers those are more ideal um, because any more subscribers than that might hurt the CTR when you upload new videos because of the old audience that's already on it. So that means that when the audience sees your video and they don't click, YouTube takes note of that and they don't even send it to new viewers in the first place. So that could affect you. That makes a ton of sense. Um, when it comes to like getting started for the first time, like would you recommend someone build their own channel first or buy a channel first? Uh, obviously depends on their budget, depends on like, uh, experience levels. And there's a lot of factors to that I would say if you have a lot of free time on your, on your hands, if you have 15 hours a week, at least I would say some from scratch can work. You know what I mean? You can definitely pull it off. And also it's a, it's a good learning experience. You know what I mean? You, you get a lot of experience under your belt. If you're someone where you don't have that much free time, um, obviously, and you, and you have money, then yeah, I would say probably buying a channel would help you out. But again, you have to be careful and be beware of scammers. So. Totally. Okay. Last thing that I want to ask you was a question I was going to ask a ton. Um, when it comes to like building one channel versus building multiple, when do you, when did you decide it was time to like expand the net into like all these different areas and channels and stuff instead of just yeah. going to one channel? The more one of my channels started going down. <laughs> like I, in my head, I was making, I was making like 10 K a month off of one channel. It's like passively. Like um, when I was working for uh, Preston, uh, the guy with over 15 million subscribers, like I was making 10 K a month and everything. Uh, and I'm not going to say how much he pays me, obviously, but like he wasn't paying me obviously nearly that much. And I was just there for experience and learning and seeing what was going on. Um, and so I was so happy because I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm making 10 K passively. I don't have to put more than like two hours in a week. And my team is just rolling in the dough for me. And then uh, obviously when good things happen like that, it goes down. So, um, it started to kind of go down because the trend went down and I was like, crap, I need to pivot that's when I stopped being kind of comfortable. And I was like, I, I need to make sure I'm always on, on top of things. I'm always creating new channels and, and new things. Otherwise, if you have everything, almost like diversification, if you have everything in one basket for too long, the basket's going to just, it's going to, it's, it's bad. So you just, you can have, I believe in like not diversifying too soon, right? I, I believe you should narrow down when you're a beginner and like become the best at one thing. But once that one thing is working out, now you need to do another basket. Otherwise that basket will just disappear on you. So totally agree. And yeah, I think a lot of people are thinking about that way too soon too. Like they've got one channel with like six subscribers and like, oh dude, I got to diversify. Like we got to get a new yeah, channel. So up. <laughs> dude, you don't even have anything to lose yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You got to build something first. Yeah. Sick. Well, Caleb, dude, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Any um, closing thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like when you see these people going out there talking about YouTube automation, I think it comes off like it's easy. Um, obviously, there's work that's into it. I believe that's the easiest one out there, but it's definitely hard, 
right? So it's like, and it's relative compared to other business models. So I think it's the easiest business model so far I've found. And I tried different things, drop shipping, everything, right? So um, it's easiest, but it definitely requires work. So if you think that you can make a channel and then two days from now, it's going to be making a hundred bucks a month. I'm sorry. That's not just not how it works. So it takes a little bit of time and you have to be consistent at it. 100%. I, I think those are those are some words of wisdom right there. Well, Caleb, if the <laughs> listeners want to follow up with you, learn more about what you're up to, where's the best spot for them to go? Yeah, just follow me on Instagram at Kalebox, um, two X's at the end, B-O-X-X. Sounds like a plan. Well, uh, Caleb, thanks again for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Oh.